What does the Bible say about the season of Lent? It's the cross-culture Q&A question. Pastor Clay's answer right after this week's Crosswalk. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Fasting is, as the old saying goes, the red-headed stepchild of spiritual disciplines. Fasting is the crazy aunt or uncle that every family has, but nobody wants to talk about. What goes through your mind when you hear the word fasting? Maybe you've heard of other religions that practice fasting. Maybe you think of fasting as something for monks in monasteries. Well, would you be surprised to learn that fasting is for you? My body needs food. But here's a question. Do I need God more? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to this week's Crosswalk. We're in the middle of our series entitled Cross Culture in 3D, So Real You Can Touch It. It's a series based on three vitally important dimensions of discipleship, desire, discipline, and duplication. Today, Pastor Clay continues his teaching on the various disciplines that should be built into the life of a fully devoted follower of Jesus by looking at the discipline of fasting. Fasting is a biblical concept. Fasting was practiced in the Old Testament by the people of God. Fasting was practiced in the New Testament by the people of God. And fasting should be practiced today by the people of God. In many respects, fasting seems to have become the lost discipline of a believer in Christ. But as Pastor Clay is going to explain today, fasting should still be a vital part of our lives. Now here's today's message. It's amazing what man is always doing to invent something new or to improve something uh, that already exists. Of course, one of the uh, uh, more popular improvements uh, to a technology that we already have, one of the more popular improvements as of late is uh, 3D movies and now television. I've mentioned that several times uh, throughout this series. They've gotten the technology to such a point, it seems, that, that it, the intention is to make it uh, more vivid, the, the picture, to make it uh, just life-like, uh, that, that it just, just really becomes this this real uh, experience when you see it. That's what this series is, is about. Making it uh, so real that you can touch it, that people can experience it in their lives. That uh, we live out this story, the story of, of Jesus and, and, and his impact on our lives, and it becomes so uh, real in our lives that that people can see it, they can experience it, they can, they can touch it in their lives. That's what this series is about. We looked at a few weeks ago the first dimension of a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and the first one was desire. You can go back, by the way, and look, listen to these messages anytime you, you want to, if you miss some of those, or just to, to rehash them. Uh, we've, we've moved on to the second dimension of a follower of Jesus, and that is discipline. And as I've said, we will spend a number of weeks in this particular dimension of following Jesus because there are, as I've said, and I'll continue to say, there are disciplines that should be built into the life of a fully devoted follower of Jesus. There's, there's no way around that. There's no excusing it. There's no, and, we, and we shouldn't want to, but there are disciplines that should be built into our lives. 
we spent three weeks on the discipline of prayer. How's your prayer life, by the way? Are you spending more time in prayer as a result of discussing this discipline? Have you found a way to set aside the time that you have to set aside to devote to prayer if you're actually going to to pray? How's that whole prayer thing going anyway? Just thought I'd ask before we move on. Move on we must, though. And so today we come to a discipline that is, quite honestly, rarely, if ever, talked about in the church. The discipline of fasting. That's right, fasting. Fasting is, as the old saying goes, the red-headed stepchild of spiritual disciplines. Fasting is the, is the crazy aunt or uncle that every, everybody's, that every family has, but nobody wants to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about it. I, uh, I heard about this uh, lady who passed away, um, an elderly lady who passed away who had never married. She, she, she had never married. And um, in her uh, funeral arrangements, she had left instructions that she did not want to have any male pallbearers for her funeral, no, no, no men as pallbearers for her funerals. And, and according to the story I read, uh, in a handwritten note uh, giving the instructions for her funeral arrangements, she wrote, they wouldn't carry me out when I was alive, I don't want them to carry me out when I'm dead. <laughs> That's how fasting is sometimes. Nobody really wants to take fasting out for a spin. Today, I want to try and just practically answer three questions about fasting. Now, I'll be honest with you, and we'll, we'll look at a, a number of passages of Scripture, uh, but there's a, not a lot of instruction about fasting. There's a lot of examples of fasting, so I'll just go ahead and tell you this, that, that much of, uh, of what I'll share with you today just comes from my personal experience in fasting. Biblical, uh, I believe, as well, but uh, much of it is, is from practical experience uh, that I've had uh, during my times of fasting. So three questions that I want to try and answer today, and the first question is the obvious question, which is, should we fast? You know, I mean, you know, come on. It's the 21st century. <laughs> Should we fast? This is obviously um, the question to begin with because if the answer is no, then none of the other questions really matter, do they? Should we fast? Well, the short answer is yes. Yes, we should. Now, you, you knew I was going to say yes, right? Because otherwise this would be an incredibly short teaching time today, and although some of you might not mind, uh, so you get to the game, but uh, the answer is yes, we should be fasting. Now, we'll get into what all that means and and what all that entails in in just a moment, but the truth is we should be fasting. Now, as far as I know, you can't turn to a particular place in the Bible where it says, thou shalt fast, but what you can find And what I believe is clearly implied is that followers of God will employ the discipline of fasting in their lives. Let's look at a few biblical examples. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses' uh, encounter with God, he says this to the people of Israel. He said, when I went up on the mountain 
to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, the Ten Commandments. I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water. Whoa. Um, in uh, Ezra, I think Ezra chapter 8, uh, Ezra is getting ready to, to lead the people back uh, to, to Jerusalem, to Israel. They've been, been off in captivity for 70 years. And he, he says, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a what? I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. In uh, Esther, I think, or no, Nehemiah first. Yeah, Nehemiah chapter 1. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and, what? Fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That great Old Testament guy, Nehemiah. Esther, the heroine of the Old Testament, Esther. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Um, Let's see, I think we've got one more in the Old Testament. Yeah, Daniel chapter 9. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in what? Fasting, come on. And in sackcloth and ashes, Daniel, that great Old Testament saint, practiced fasting. Okay, well, that's the Old Testament. What about the the New Testament? I mean, did it kind of die out there? Well, let's see. I think Jesus was involved in fasting. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) I love how the Bible just understates things at times. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. But yeah, okay, well, that was, that was Jesus. Come on, you know, I mean. Well, how about this one? Matthew chapter 6. I'll read the whole thing. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, that says something to us about the whole attitude of prayer or fasting and the the intent of the heart, which is a big deal. A lot of what I'm talking about today is the intent of the heart. But what you want you to notice is how that verse begins. Jesus says, when you fast, go back to what, yeah, when you fast, there seems to be, uh, Jesus just seems to assume that his followers are going to fast. And they did. Acts chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts chapter 14. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with, come on, fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. We could go on, but I think you get the point. Fasting is a biblical concept. Fasting was practiced in the Old Testament by the people of God. Fasting was practiced in the New Testament by the people of God. And fasting should be practiced today by the people of God. I think it's quite biblical. And it seems to be, as I said, not only implied, but assumed that... And, and by the way, that, I mean, that was a who's who list of, of godly saints in the Lord down through the Old Testament and and there in the, in the New Testament. Okay, so, should we fast? Why don't you answer that question? Yes. yes. 
All right. Well, that, that leaves room for the second question then. The second question is this. Why do we fast? Why do we fast? What is the point? What is the purpose of our fasting? Is there a point or is there a purpose in it? Well, uh, maybe we should begin with why we do not fast. Maybe we should begin with why we don't fast before we get to some of them. I've listed quite a few there. But maybe we should start with why, what, it, what should not be the motive. Let me put, say that the right way. What should not be the motive for our fasting. Let's start with this one. Uh, for one thing, we do not fast uh, to impress God. It's not to impress God. That's not why we do it. Uh, look at this passage of Scripture. If you've been with us, you may remember we looked at this a few weeks ago. Um, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. <laughs> I think it's rather ironic. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I, what? I fast twice a week. Can you just, I, I, I mean, I know it says he's saying it to himself, but I think he probably even spoke up when he said that to God. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. We do not fast to impress God. He's not impressed with any religious whatever. We also do not fast to get something from God. Now, listen to me. Fasting is beneficial. It really is. But we don't fast to get something from God. Uh, look at this passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah. says, in the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, which is Chislev. Now the town of Bethel had sent Sherzir and Regamelech and their men to seek the favor of the Lord speaking to the priests who belong to the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets, saying, so the people, uh, these men went up and they start talking to the priests, to the prophets, and they say, shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain, a.k.a. fast, as I have done these many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Zechariah, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? Do you see what's going on here? Do you, can you see uh, the intent of their heart? Because I can assure you, God sees the intent of their heart. The people had been carried off into into captivity by the Babylonians because they had rebelled against God. They hadn't really been interested in following God. They'd only been interested in God blessing them. And so they're doing this religious rite. They're doing this thing and they go and, and, and they've been 70 years now. They've been in captivity, which God told them in advance they would be 70 years, by the way, in captivity. But they're, you know, they're doing their religious duty. Where's God? Come on, God, where are you? We don't ever do that kind of thing, right? 
They're doing their religious duty, and, they, and so they go up to the priest and they listen. Should we keep doing, basically, should we keep doing this? Because we haven't seen a lot happening yet. And God responds and he says, when you was doing that fasting, was it truly for me that you were fasting? No, actually was, the intent was to get something from God. The motivation was, well, if I do this, God will respond to my prayers. If I do this, God will give me what I want. God's not impressed and God is not at our beck and call. So, we do not fast for those reasons. So, why do we fast? Well, let me give you some, again, um, from Scripture and, again, from my own personal experience, just reasons that I came up with that we fast. First, we fast to honor God. You and I live in a, a carnal culture. What I mean by that is that... Our flesh is constantly bombarded. Our, our, our flesh, our body, this person that I am, is constantly bombarded with, with sights and sounds and smells that tell me I need that or I want that in my lives. Our minds are flooded with images and with messages that tell us that, that I'll find my happiness or I'll find my contentment it's just over the next hill. It's, it's just in the next experience. If I just get to that, if I just have that, then I'm, that's, that's, we're bombarded with that message. A message that says, I, I, I need to get all I can, while I can, for as long as I can, until I kick the can. That's, that's what it's, it's got to be about. That's what we're, we're constantly bombarded with. That's what we're constantly flooded with. And my my flesh wants those things. My flesh wants my body, who I am, wants what it wants when it wants it. And it doesn't want to wait. Now, that's not to say that all of that is, is bad. I'm not necessarily saying that in itself necessarily is bad. My body needs food. It, it does. It, I, I'm, that's the way God put me together. It, it needs fuel. To operate, it needs energy. So uh, I'm not necessarily saying that those things are bad. My body needs food. But here's a question. Do I need God more? Now, most of us have uh, done this Jesus thing long enough to, to know the, the, the right spiritual answer to that question, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I need God more than anything else in my life. Really? Care to prove it? You see, fasting gives us the opportunity, listen to me now, to literally put our faith where our mouth is. It's an opportunity to say, Father, I need you more than the very food I eat. Without food, my physical body will eventually die. But Father, without you, I'm already spiritually dead. And so I'm choosing to to go without something that I actually need. I'm choosing to abstain from it. I'm choosing to fast, Father, as a way to say to you, I need you more than this in my life. That honors God. It's simply a way to say, I need him more. Now, we'll talk about in just a few moments about fasting and, and what all that can entail and, and different ideas about 
fasting. But, but it honors God if, if I take this opportunity to say, God, I, I need you more. It's a chance to put our faith where our mouth is. Here's another uh, reason we fast. We fast uh, to thank God. Fasting gives me an opportunity to express my gratitude to God. Uh, let me ask you a question. When do you pr- appreciate the sunshine the most? Is it not after some big dark storm? Would the flowers, I was noticing the flowers coming in this morning are already popping up out here in front of the school. Would the flowers of springtime and their colors and all that sort of stuff, would they be nearly as brilliant? Would they be nearly as, as beautiful to us if they were not coming on the heels of the barrenness and the starkness of, of the limbs and the trees and the, and the bushes of, of winter? It is uh, at the times when we go without something that we sometimes learn to appreciate that something much more than when we have it all the time. Isn't that true? Fasting is simply an opportunity to thank God. Now, one of the things that I I do, and again, I'm just speaking practically, but when I'm in a fast and I get hungry, and, and you do, you will get hungry from time to time if you've never fasted, you will get hungry. But one of the things that I have done is I've just kind of learned to use my hunger pangs that you know, growling stomach as a, as a trigger for me to remind me just, just right then, just, just thank God. Just thank God for food. And I'm able to stop right then and say, Father, thank you so much for food. Thank you that I don't have to go hungry. There are millions of people on this planet today that, that won't eat because they can't eat. I can eat anytime I want. Thank you that I have food. Thank you that I can eat. It's that absence that makes me mindful of it. Thank you, Lord God, for... Do you ever just stop and thank God for tastes and flavors? I mean, think about it. What if everything like tasted like broccoli or something, you know? God, I just want to th- thanks for all the different flavors and tastes. God, thanks for chocolate. Thanks for, for anything fried. It, it, it's an opportunity just to, to thank God. So, yeah, here's another reason uh, for fasting. We fast to express our repentance to God. Now, there are several passages of Scripture that connect fasting and repentance, but I want to show you one from the book of Jonah, uh, which is the next series we're going to be doing, by the way. We're going to be in the book of, of Jonah. Uh, it, it says, when the word, word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne. Word reached him that God was about to, to judge Nineveh for their sinfulness. He got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree to Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles. No man or beast, herd or flock. The cows are probably wondering what they did to to deserve this. No man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Now, remember I said that we don't fast to impress God and we don't fast to get something from God. We don't fast to show off, but that doesn't mean that our fasting doesn't show God something. It shows him the intent of our heart. And that's the key. What is the motivation behind? What is the intent of my heart? And Fasting can be a way to express my deep grief 
over, over sin I've allowed myself to become involved in. Oh, and and a, it gives me the opportunity to display a genuine remorsefulness and repentance. And remember, repentance is not just feeling sorry that I did something. Repentance is turning around and going in a new direction. Not only am I, am I sorry that I did that, not only am I sorry that I've sinned against you, God, I'm going to change. And so I'm turning around and I'm going in a new direction. That can be expressed through fasting. Just uh, some of you, perhaps even someone in this room, or most of us have probably known something who, someone who has lost uh, a loved one, has, go, has lost someone very dear to you, and you've gone through a grieving process. Oftentimes, a person going through a grieving process will not eat for an extended period of time because their, their grief, their remorse is so deep over this experience that it, it, just, it just kind of blocks out the, the natural uh, drive or desire to eat. In the same way, when we're truly broken over sin in our life, we can express that through the avenue of fasting. So, that's another reason for fasting. Let's get to uh, some more. We fast to draw closer to God. Now, listen, I, I can't really explain this to you. And, and I can't, I don't, I couldn't think of a particular passage of Scripture that I could turn to that, that pointed this out. All I can tell you is, when I fast, I feel closer to God. I seem more aware of his presence. Uh, I'm, I'm more sensitive to his spirit and to his will in my life. Prayer comes easier and more often and is sweeter. I, I, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you that there's something about fasting that makes me more acutely aware that I'm in the presence of God. And it draws me closer to him. It's a good reason to fast. All right, uh, here's, here's another one. We fast to experience God's power. Again, the intent of the heart is key here. And just like with prayer, we explained in prayer that there's a lot of mystery, and I don't understand exactly how, but, but in some of the scripture verses that we looked at earlier, clearly you could see that people were, were fasting, were praying and fasting and with an expectation that God's power was going to be released and was going to move, whether it was for a safe journey or for, you know, uh, good Esther with good graces of the king or whatever it might be. We fast to experience God's power. It is a reason for fasting. Now, just on a practical standpoint, I'm your, I'm just, I'm your pastor, so I'm trying to teach you this. On a, on a practical standpoint, I, I just recently finished an extended fast, and um, uh, during that time, I continued to, to go to the gym every day. I continued to work out. I continued to run. Um, I actually increased uh, the amount of weight that I was lifting during my workouts. That's right, Trav. <laughs> I actually... I, and, and listen, I, I felt great the whole time. I think my wife would testify. I, I, had, I had all the energy that I ever have. I was able to think clearly or as clearly as I'm able to think. I, everything just as, if, uh, nor, as, I, as I normally do. Now, listen, may, maybe I'm crazy, but, but I, I really attribute that to the power of God enabling me to, to get done the things I need to get done and do things I need to do as a way of honoring him with my life. There's something about fasting that 
when it's done with the right heart motive, releases the power of God to work in and through people's lives and in situations. And you'll notice there's, there's many times in Scripture there's this connection between prayer and fasting. That's part of the reason I, I put this one right behind prayer. So we get to experience the power of God in, in different ways. And then, let's see, I think I've got uh, one more. We fast to help with the other spiritual disciplines of God. Um, let's see if I can explain this. It, if you fast, let's, let's, let's say fasting, or and I, I'm, I'm referring, let's, let's say fasting from food. If you fast for um, some extended amount of time, whatever you choose, a, a day, a week, a month, or, or, or whatever it might be, if you go without food for a week, spending an hour in prayer is really not that big a deal. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? Fasting, building in the discipline of fasting, because it is, it's, it's not easy, it, because it so involves physically who I am, it so involves my flesh, but if I can build that discipline in, into my life, the other disciplines just kind of come easier. It's a benefit of fasting. It helps me be better at my prayer study. It helps me be better at my time of, of, uh, of, uh, of prayer or study. It helps me be better at conscious of, of sharing my witness and, or whatever it might be. Fasting helps me with the other disciplines of my life. So th- those are a few uh, benefits that I have found from fasting, a few reasons for fasting. So, the third question is the one we really need to, to get to as well this morning, and that is, how? How do I fast? How, how, how do I do this? Well, first off, you fast from the outflow of a God-centered life. You want to fast, you want to begin fasting. If it is a discipline that is scriptural, and you want to begin to practice it in your life, you need to understand that, it, that fasting, first and foremost, comes as an outflow from a God-centered life to begin with. I want to read you a rather lengthy passage of Scripture, but it communicates uh, well the message in, uh, in the book of Isaiah. Um, God says to and through the prophet Isaiah, Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion... And to the descendants of Jacob, their sins. For day after day, watch this now, they seek me out. This is God speaking. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. It seems like that they really mean this. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Watch this. Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. You hear what he's saying? Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Is that what this is about? Some some religious checklist? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed 
and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this the kind, is this, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Let me just stop there. Do you see it? God's saying, oh, you, you just think you can do this. Just, oh, check it off. Yep, prayed. Yep, read my Bible. Yep. Yep, fast it, yep. And, and that's, that's what it's about? No. No, God said it's never been about this. That's, that's never what it, it's not like I'm just some God whose ego needs to be stroked by, by you doing all these religious acts. No, what I want you to do is live your life from me, a God-centered life where you care about those around you, where you, where you want to, as Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do it. You can't just live your life any way you think, but as long as you do this religious act, this religious duty, think that you're okay with me. No, it has to come from a God-centered life. Here, here's another idea to keep in mind uh, about how we fast. Uh, remember that there is variety in fasting. I, I really think there is. Uh, clearly and certainly, fasting from food is the primary uh, type of fasting that is mentioned in Scripture. But I believe that you can fast from a lot of things. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 tells the husbands and wives that they can actually fast from sex if they want to for a period of time to devote themselves to prayer. Paul says, boy, if if you want to, you know, something you want to bring to God and you just really want to focus on that and and you want to offer, basically it's a fast of sex. If you want to do that as husband and wife, he said, that's okay. By the way, he warns him. He says, but make sure it's not too long. Come back together again because of of temptation, because of lust and and that sort of thing. But Paul says, you you can fast from from sex. Whatever. I think there's variety in fasting. If you say, I want to fast from one meal a day or I want to fast... Uh, one day a week, or I want to fast one day, or I want to fast one month, or I want to fast from coffee, or television, or, or whatever it is. Now, listen to me. Some of those things aren't necessities, like food is. Some of those things aren't necessities. So, in that sense, it's not a sacrifice, but it's still an opportunity to say, God, I need you more than whatever it is that you choose to fast from. So just remember that, that there's some variety in this. You want a biblical pattern. You want to honor God. But, but I think that there's, that there's not any hard and fast rules about this amount of time and, or this is what you, that sort of thing. Okay? All right. Uh, now, real quickly, uh, we got to go. Let me give you some fasting tips. First, if necessary, consult a physician. Uh, you know, I don't know. You just, I just think you should. Um, I don't know how spiritual that sounds, but, you know, you may be a, a diabetic or you just may need to, to check on that and just ask, okay, how can I do this or what's best? You may need to consult a, a physician. Um, uh, start out gradually. 
In other words, let's say that you say, well, I, I, I want to I try this. I, I want to fast. Uh, I want to fast like Jesus did. I want to fast for 40 days. All right, I wouldn't suggest you jumping into that, all right? If you've never fasted before, maybe try 40 minutes. <laughs> try a day, you know, and, and, and you may want to just work into it. Part of the reason is because if you set some, you know, well, I'm going to fast 10 days, and, and you make it about a day and a half, and you just, you know, your stomach's gnawing at you and that sort of thing, and you, you give in, and you, then you're like, oh, I can't do this. So you may want to start out gradually. It's a good idea. Um, start back gradually. That's just, pra- I'm just giving practical experience. And that ha- pertains to, you know, an extended fast. Uh, you may want to start, uh, what I mean is start back eating gradually. Uh, the, uh, the first kind of extended fast I ever did was for a week. And uh, when I finished, I, I, I told Senator, we're going to CC's Pizza. Mm, no, no. Start back gradually. So you got you to kind of get your system going. All right, uh, here's another one. Determine ahead of time how long you will fast. Now, here's why I think that's important. I have found that God holds me accountable when I tell him how long I'm going to do it. In other words, if I just say, well, I think I'm just going to start fasting and, and we'll see how it goes. A little go about a day and a half. But if I say, Father, uh, I just, I, I want to do this. I want to I honor you. I, I'm not going to eat for a week. I'm going to fast for a week. Or wh- whatever it is you decide. I, I, I think, I, just me personally, I've noticed that it helps when I tell God ahead of time how long I plan on doing it. It kind of keeps me, you know, day 14 comes along and it's like, oh, no, but I told him, you know. So uh, determine ahead of time how long you'll fast. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, be careful of false humility. And I was just kind of thinking of some of these things. Um, Certainly, humility, we, we, when we fast, it ought to be with a humble heart and not to impress God and not to impress anybody else. We saw that in Matthew chapter 6. But be careful of false humility. I think I kind of succumbed to some of that early on. And what I mean is, it's like, um, you know, if somebody, in, in what I do, I'm, I'm just around people a lot of times during meals. It's just the nature of what I do. And so, around a lot of people. And, and early on, there was some tendency to, to almost act like, well, oh, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't tell you why I'm, I'm not eating. You know, and it was all, I, I'm just telling you for me, it was almost like, eh, I don't know. So now I just, I just tell people, I, I, don't, I don't wear a badge or anything, but if I go out to eat with somebody, I usually let them order first because then they always feel bad if they, you know, order, but I just say, I'm just not eating right now, I'm on a, on a fast. And it's, it's okay, you know, it's a, it honors God, and I'm not, you know, understand what I'm saying? Fault, be, be careful, false humility. Uh, don't be legalistic about it. There's this principle about anything that we do for God where Jesus said to remember that Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. Don't get caught up in the legalistic aspect of this, but do this from a heart that desires to honor God and, and, and just, just let it happen. Don't, don't get so legalistic about it. And then last, lean on God. Lean on Him. There, there are times, yeah, you do get hungry at times, especially on an extended fast. You do get hungry at times. I mean, God's grace is amazing and, and how He meets you and all that kind of stuff, but but sometimes you just got to, Father, I, I just, I need you right now. That food is smelling fantastic. You know, you're still in your house and somebody else will eat. And, but I, I just lean on him. Lean on him. That'll help. Fasting is biblical. Fasting is beneficial. And fasting is doable. It really is. It just takes discipline. 
the intent of the heart. As we've learned today, it plays a big part in the discipline of fasting. If our motive is to impress God or anyone else, it won't work. As Pastor Clay taught us today, there are a number of reasons to fast, but it must always begin with a heart humbled before God, seeking to know Him more deeply and honor Him more fully. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Now this week's Cross-Culture Q&A. Q&A time at Cross-Culture. Uh, we answer a question each week that someone has turned in. And this week, uh, my brother Ernie actually sent this question via email. Now, I don't suggest you do that all the time. Fill out the card. That helps me a lot. But it was appropriate for today um, uh, because of the, the subject matter that we'll be discussing in the sermon, but also because of what, uh, what this week and, and uh, this time is. What does the Bible say about the season of Lent? Who's ever heard of the season of Lent? Some of us have uh, heard of it, and the season of Lent um, actually uh, began uh, this past uh, week. And and let me just say, though not biblical, uh, the season of Lent is is and has been practiced by uh, the church and various denominations for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, It's practiced by the uh, Roman Catholic Church as well as the Ethan Orthodox Church. Church and uh, some Protestant denominations as well, Lutherans, uh, Methodists, Presbyterians, um, Anglican, I believe, uh, practice it as well. Uh, The word Lent uh, was originally a a Germanic word, and uh, it simply meant uh, spring or springtime is what the uh, word originally meant. It came to be known as a 40-day season that begins on what is known as, as Ash Wednesday, i got to be careful how I say that, it is what is known as Ash Wednesday, that was this past Wednesday, uh, which is, it always begins on the seventh Wednesday before Easter, and concludes the, the day before Easter, the Saturday before Resurrection Sunday. So this past Wednesday was uh, the beginning of uh, Lent season, it began on what's known as Ash Wednesday. It, uh, the purpose of Lent is to be a season of fasting, of self-denial, of Christian growth, 
of penitence, of conversion, of simplicity. It's just a time of reflection. It's supposed to be, historically, as the church has practiced it, a time of reflection on a person's relationship with Christ and where they are in that and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. That's why, by the way, um, Lent begins on this, this day where they use uh, ashes to uh, represent the idea of repentance. While Lent itself uh, in the term or the practice is not biblical, the idea of using ashes as a symbol for repentance uh, actually is very biblical. First uh, Samuel uh, 13, I think Esther chapter 4, Job chapter uh, 2, Matthew chapter 11 makes references to the idea of uh, ashes being symbolic of uh, of repentance and that sort of thing. Uh, by the way, if you ever count them up and you say, well, that's, not, that's, that's more than 40 days. If you actually count up from Ash Wednesday to the day before Easter, it actually comes up to more than 40 days. I think it's uh, 46 is what it comes to. The reason is because uh, those who practice Lent, churches that practice Lent, don't count Sundays. They've never counted Sunday um, during the time of that 40-day period. And the reason they don't count Sundays is because Sunday has always been considered a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so since, since we celebrate the resurrection on Sunday, well, then that's not going to be a somber time. That's not going to be a fasting time. That's not going to be a reflective time. That's more of a celebratory time. So uh, I didn't know that until I, I uh, read about it this week, but that's why it actually comes up to about 46 days uh, total. Um, also, uh, so if you're curious, the day before Ash Wednesday, when, when Lent begins, the day before Ash Wednesday uh, came to be known, another tradition got started, came to be known as Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. Um, in some cultures, in some countries still today, it's known as Carnival or Carnival. Uh, which is Latin, as I understand it, for farewell to meet. Um, I don't know what, if that cruise line knows what their name means, but, um, but they're huge with the vegetarians. I'll tell you, they love that cruise line. No, I, don't, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, it, it, it basically became a last day of self-indulgence before beginning the season of Lent. It, we're going to pig out, we're going we're to overindulge in anything and everything. That's where Mardi Gras uh, comes from because, because tomorrow we've got to get ready to uh, fast. So it may kind of call into question the, uh, the, the, the heart motive of, uh, of the season there and, and where people are in their life. We'll talk some about that today. But uh, that's what Lent is, the 40-day 40 40 period of time. While not mentioned in Scripture, the idea of repentance and reflection and evaluating where I am in my relationship with God uh, is never a bad thing. That's Q&A for today.